Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Claire Markwick, and this is Real Life Business. Welcome to episode number three of Real Life Business. This week, I am talking to Nicole McHenry, a businesswoman with a difference. Far from the average number crunching accountant, Nicole is the business services kind, the forensic kind, the kind you get in to help you work out where you are and connect you to where you actually want to be. With postgrads in business, higher education, management and project management and studies in health science and innovation, she's been around making waves for a while now. Social enterprise is her passion, NDIS is her cause. She renovates, builds and develops both here and internationally and crafts grants for artists, musicians and corporations alike. Strategic plans, she chases venture capital and she provides businesses with all the advice they need and then some. Her style is empowerment. She, she listens to your story and through those conversations and sharing, she ignites something within her clients and her friends that often remains buried deep. Um, those passions that help us get up, show up and keep going. And she's done that for herself as well. I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. Nicole has a refreshing perspective on life that's both inspiring and calming and um, she's got some great gold that she shares with us in this conversation. So we start off with Nicole telling us a bit more about herself and how she got to be doing what she's doing right now. Life is a bit of a continuum so um, what I'm currently doing in the place I've really found for myself at the moment is I work for the Business Enterprise Centre um, and what that is, it's government funded. Why it fits for me is because I do the accounting work that I do. I do the business work that I do. I suppose my, and social enterprise is my kind of side hustle, but it always has a thread through everything. Yeah. The thing that I really do is work out how I can work with people and help them get to where they want to go. Mm. Um, and the accounting side of my experience is because they get stuck in it. They get, they get stuck in the stuff that I'm good at. Yeah. Um, you know, yes, I'm an accountant, but I'm probably, you know, not the boring kind, I like to think. But before <laughs> anything, it's given me a lot of um, experience of different industries along the way. So my, I suppose I always say, you know, people, what do you do? I say, I solve problems. Mm. So I've just got an uncanny knack of working out how, you know, what's going on, how people work and how things have happened. Yeah. And that's where the accounting boring stuff is most valuable. So it's actually using what is kind of a structured everyday thing to, to help people get to where they want to go. So what this gives me the opportunity to do is work with businesses and work with people to get their dreams, you know, into reality or get them unstuck. Mm. Uh, and the government funds those things because it's all about, you know, building economic growth and that sort of thing. So it allows me to help people without them having to say, oh, but I can't afford your fees, Nicole. So it's wonderful. But it also means that people are far more open about what they really want. And I think that's what's come out of the last year. People have realised that it's okay. I think they've had a lot of time to think about it too. Yeah, I think you're right. But it's actually okay to say, you know what, this is what I'd really like to do. Uh, So it, it gives me that opportunity. 
gives it's, me the opportunity to work with people where they where they're at and say, well, have you thought about this? Without them having to say, oh yeah, but we can't do that. I think this year has been, whilst there's been so many challenges and there's been so many businesses really adversely affected, like you say, it has given people the time to actually just stop and check in and say, well, what, what is it that I want to be doing? You know, is, is what I've been busy with, what, I've now, what I'm now not allowed to do anymore, for example, is that what I want to continue to do? Or is this my opportunity to stop, reset, pivot and go again? You would have seen a lot of that, I would imagine. Yeah, and there's, you know, I think middle of last year there was a lot of people that felt quite broken Mm -hmm. and I think it's actually been a really good stepping stone for them to realise that how robust they actually are. Mm. So that what's come out of it, like, you know, one of the sayings that I really love is you weren't born to pay bills and die, Um, but, you know, you have to survive. You do. But people's not. People's non-negotiables, I think, have changed. Like people's decisions as to what's important to them has changed or that it's just reiterated that's what they thought was important. Yeah. So um, I sat with a group of artists last night working through grant writing for them to get their craft and get their, um, you know, to get their art back on track. It's that reboot which re-engages them in the community. Uh, And the whole concept of being able to get support without having to try and negotiate a grant application they're just sitting there saying where have you been (laughs) where have you been my whole life (laughs) yeah and and it's it's as much about saying okay let's look at the skills that I have and my quirky background between arts and 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 everything else it gives me a language that allows me to help them see what's possible yeah and the, the excitement is wonderful I think people are um, and that, that's probably, you know, the whole gives me joy thing. That's what gives me joy. Mm, I can totally relate to that. I think, you know, myself coming from an accounting background as well in public practice, you know, I was, I just, I felt like I was this machine, you know, this transactional machine, just churning out bass after bass and then tax return, financial statements, bass, 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 tax return, financial statements. And I just, I felt like I was just on this, like, was say transactional machine that I couldn't jump off of and (laughs) yes yes and then I kind of moved in into commercial finance and thought oh this is going to be a bit more exciting um but then it's like you know transaction 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 month-end reporting transaction 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 month-end reporting quarterly forecasting annual budget it's the same cycle and so to kind of to break free of that and and be able to help businesses like you say in a way that you can see that that energy and that like engagement and excitement for what they do come back that really gives us the energy enthusiasm and excitement in what we do as well doesn't it I mean I'm I'm speaking for you as well now I'm I'm trusting you're nodding so I'm trusting you agree Delivery. And and I, I think that um, obviously you're younger than me. <laughs> I um, people say, oh, you know, what did you do in your 20s? Like I was really lucky. My background was cutting edge tax planning. I thought that was normal, you know, big fun stuff. Yeah. Um, but the thing and doing things a little differently. So I was really lucky that that, that was what I kind of cut my teeth on. Um, but there's no way I was in the circles or had the experience or saw it play out 
when I actually had that knowledge. So I had lots of different experience in different industries along the way and just, you know, with different people and, you know, personal, professional, collaborative, networking, study. It's only now that I really feel like I can um, pull out of a really lovely, rich bag of experiences and say, oh, you know, I think we can do this. What do you think? How does that sound? Uh, and I also think the um, my age, <laughs> maturity, what word do I look for? Um, just the, the point where I'm at in my career then allows me to not to look at things with a different lens. So, you know, I, I don't take things personally like I would have in my 20s. Mm. And, mm. you know, and even if it is personal, I I don't have to take it. I can decide. I don't have to take it personally. So I can look at what's going on and then so we just kind of, I suppose, a tip already, you know, can consider, I can consider it. I've got perspective and I kind of got a bit of a breather. Mm. My youngest is 19. I had, you know, a step family for a while. So, you know, we had 12 to 15 around the dinner table and I absolutely loved it. Wow. But there was, and it was just divine. And it's, How big were your grocery bills? Oh my gosh. You know what? Dinner was a whole production, but you know, I wouldn't give that time away, but I'm really pleased that they're all off my hands now for, you know, yeah. for various reasons. So now I have the peace and the space to do it. So I think part of the reason why I probably felt like I was banging my head against a brick wall uh, in my thirties and forties was because I had so many other responsibilities mm. Um, mm. and much as I enjoyed it, there was a frustration that I had back then because I had probably potentially more energy then. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Whereas now I may not necessarily have as much energy. I do, however, have the time and space to really to do, to put back in, which is hence the social enterprise side of things, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think... you, you've mentioned it a few times in, in what you've said in, you know, in as much as your past and um, the experience you got from, from, from this time and the experience you got from that time. You know, I'm a believer that, I, you know, my, one of my core beliefs is that like, we are on a lifelong learning journey, um, aren't we? And there was, this was something that I had to overcome because when I hit 37 and realised, you know what, I don't want to be doing this yeah. transactional accounting for the next 40 years. Um, but holy hell, I can't change now because what a waste of 15 years that's been. You know, I so I did a lot of work on my mindset there to go, well, you know what? Whilst I might not be doing that exact thing anymore, I can't unlearn all of that. I can't unlearn the experiences. I can't unlearn the lessons that it has taught me. Whilst I might not use the intricacies of the technical knowledge um there's so much life experience in that 15 years that is going to then be the building block to the next thing would you agree you know you sort of again there's nodding away um in as much as life is a constant journey isn't it a constant evolution of something i've spoken about in in a previous episode what are some of the major sort of milestones for you the major hurdles that you've overcome that have now built you this Mm. wonderful toolkit that you can tap into now good question <laughs> how I much time have you. we got yeah, yeah, i agree with you i think life is about you know people talk about having lessons in life um i 
the I look at it in terms of experiences and relationships. So relationships bring you the experiences, the experience, you know, it's kind of, it's about that. So it's about working out where you fit as well. Mm-hmm. And as I say, rich existence, very exciting. So my mum's a pharmacist. She was one of the first women through pharmacy college. So wow. on my mum's side, and my dad was a commercial artist. Wow. So he built mover floats. He used to dress windows and he was a sculptor and an artist. So, you know, that's my gypsy side coming out. Um, <laughs> so, so what it means is I've got this nice balance um, and I think that that probably adds to, you know, the whole idea of that there's a gift in everything, even mm-hmm. if it doesn't feel like it is because I think knowledge gives you choice, gives you choice and perspective. So, and I look back now, I just think, I mean, I'd always wanted to be a stockbroker. Loved wow. it. You know, that's the numbers thing. And I used to bang on the door of Potter Warby all the time and they used to look at me, little girly, go away, you know. And I thought, well, I suppose I have to study then. So I went and um, was working full-time at the Stock Exchange and doing a full-time study load because I thought, oh, that's what I want to do. Um, never ever worked as a stockbroker but loved the stock exchange really enjoyed that um swore I was never going to be anywhere near Swinburne University and then landed an amazing job at that accounting firm I was telling you about across the road from Swinburne so I used to look out my window and say guess what (laughs) (laughs) never never. (laughs) exactly um so and I've um yeah, I met my husband along the way, my husband number one. So 20 years down the track, I decided that was not a good idea. Um, but in the meantime, you know, I decided that the childcare in the um, regional town that I was living with, living in was not so good. So I decided I'd build my own and license it and register it and that's it. So, so hang that- on, hang on, hang on. Let's just pause. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just make sure everyone's just caught up on what you've just said. <laughs> You were stud- you were working the stock exchange, studying um, to to work in the stock exchange. Um, yeah, this is my coding degree, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, then got a job in an accounting firm, like you were talking about before, and then realized that. So then got married, had kids, but realized, well, hang on, the childcare isn't the greatest here. So instead of, I don't know bitching or complaining or carrying on or using that as a reason not to move forward you're like hang on well why don't I do something about that <laughs> why don't I build my own childcare center that's what I you said a, right I found a 14 plate 14 square hardy plank house and designed a, a building and <sighs> built a 120 place childcare center that's as incredible. You do. so the, the child of everything else and it's funny because being a country town Everyone hated me, but they never in their wildest dreams imagined it would be just me. So they figured that I had a bunch of international clients. So they they were rude, but they left me alone because they didn't know who was behind it. Right. So, yeah, it was kind of amusing. So, yeah, the things you do. But I just, I just figure that's probably, that's that'll be my parents' upbringing and it's the idea that you, if you're going to give it a go, give it a go. Because mm. really, what's the worst that can happen? You have to sell your house, and you have to go get a job doing something else. Yeah. If that's really the worst there is, that's about as bad. You know that that's that's not really that bad. You know, plenty of people don't even get that opportunity. 
I think um, I, I, I think that sounds such a simple thing that you've just said, and and the words are very simple words. You know, what's the worst that can happen, and it's not so bad. But like the the, the mindset to actually believe that is is like that. It, it takes a lot to actually believe it, doesn't it? It's very easy to say the words, but to actually sit back and go, well, you know what? And the worst that's going to happen is that I'm going to run out of money. I have to sell my house and I have to get a job. Um, and and But I can deal with that. And then you push on regardless. That's yeah. awesome. And that's a thank you. That's, that's an attribute to be my big European family, my parents, but also... I think along the way I just had this ridiculous sense of confidence that wasn't knocked out of me as a kid mm. um, and I and the numbers thing it made sense because I figure I can always fall back on something and that's probably the key yeah education um, access to education gives people opportunities which is why whatever um, I do has got some sort of thread back to access and education because if you can give people access to education then they have opportunity what they do with it is up to them and I always had drummed into me since I was you know old enough to remember you know education get get an education and then you can do what you want and it's so true it's Mm. so true uh, and because I knew that I'd done the study and I worked really hard, like it did nearly take me out doing it, but it gave me choice and it still gives me choice to this day. You know, it gives me a balance of credibility, but also a balance of understanding. So, you know, I've got the qualification. I've got about seven of them now um, <laughs> because, and I'm doing a Bachelor of Health Science at the moment. You know, you talked before about, you know, what am I going to do at 37? Um, I, am I chucking all this away? And you're not. You know, I'm, I've gone back a couple of years ago to bat, do a Bachelor of Health Science in Nutrition and Naturopathy, which is not accounting related at all. No. It's something I've always had an interest in. And you know what? I just, I want to. It's so refreshing um, hearing you say, you know, well, I want to, I can, so I'm going <laughs> to. You know, yeah, it, it, it's, it's the thread of that whole, you know, what's the worst that can happen so this is how it all plays out it's it all plays out in um you know I think as a teenager you you got the doom and gloom thing Mm. and I think it's kind of the anti-doom and gloom thing Mm. and you're right it's mindset I've got this uncanny ability to just figure I can always there's always a way You know, there's always a way, even if it doesn't feel good, there's always a way. Yeah, I I love that. And just on adding to that, I remember I heard a mentor of mine once say a few years ago, um, she said that nothing has meaning except the meaning we put to it. And, you know, she, she was talking about, um, I mean, she, she, she got really deep and was talking about what like quantum physics and all this sort of stuff. But yeah, I picked up on that bit. I'm like, nothing has meaning except the meaning we put to it. So nothing, nobody, nobody says anything, like nothing happens, like nothing. We don't experience anything that already has a meaning attached to it. The mm-hmm. meaning is one, is a construct, of, yeah. of, of what we put on it based on our own beliefs, experiences, memories, whatever. Um, and when I, when that sunk in, I was like, holy shit, you know, that's, that has the power to change people's lives. It certainly p- 
felt like I had the power to change my life now because it, like you said before, like even if someone says something personal and it, you know, it, it might be, might, someone might look at it and go, geez, that was a personal attack. You know, it, how we decide to react to it totally dictates our experience of it, doesn't it? And I think we've got to be in the right space in the right time. You know, it's like you can hear things a million times and then one day you're standing there and getting coffee and you're like, you can see my life revolves around coffee. <laughs> and you get coffee and you're just like going, oh, I never thought about that. <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, nothing. Just, you know, latte, almond milk, please. Um, but I, I think it's, you know, there's sometimes it's a catalyst that makes you change your mindset and sometimes your mindset helps you through whatever's going on. You know, we've talked about some uh, my second husband, um, who passed away a couple of years ago. Um, he was the most gorgeous man. He really was. Um, and we bonded over the concept of no regrets, not knowing what was in front of us. Wow. We had the same concept of no regrets, you know. And he'd been working for, I think, by the time he sold his workshop, he'd been working in it and very successfully so. He used to race cars the whole lot, loved it, loved it. It was nearly 30 years, but it was just killing him. Mm. It was just stealing the happiness from him because all he ever wanted to do was work on American cars. I said, well, why don't you just do that? You know, and it's that whole roll off. So why don't you just do that? Yeah, and it's easy when your wife is, you know, can kind of do things too rather than it's just him. So, and it took him about six months to even entertain the concept because he was old school in terms of provider, structure, you know, I, this is a, a business that I have with my family. What are people going to anticipate on it? They're going to think I'm nuts. This is the position I've built. So I just didn't entertain that. God love him. Um, and he said, well, what if we can't pay the bills? I said, well, we just sell stuff. What if we can't pay? I said, we just sell stuff. I said, what would you rather do? And at this stage, we had no clue what was coming. He was the most you know, strong, kind of vibrant personality, larger than life, yeah. healthy as a horse, kind of used to laugh about it. And, yeah, it's just funny how it works. Yeah. And honestly, he just, so against everyone saying, oh, my goodness, because they had this expectation of what he was and this crazy wife that he'd married who was encouraging him to <laughs> buy American cars and walk away from this persona. Stability. <laughs> exactly and surprise surprise he was embraced by the whole fraternity and is you know very well known for it but what it meant is that he had three years doing exactly what he wanted to do mm, how and, awesome is that yeah and the um you know the race car you gotta sell the race car and i just turned around one day and said the day he says he doesn't enjoy racing is the day we sell it mm because I kind of got sick of hearing and watching it going on. And I get it because not everyone has the same mindset. Um, but imagine if you had sold the race car and didn't race. Imagine if you hadn't gone and done what he wanted to do. Mm. So that mindset that I have supported his dreams and when I look at what my kids are doing, they just don't think there's anything they can't do. They just know that it, maybe it's not now. So And they'll learn through maturity as to what's realistic or not. Mm. Um, but if I could, you know, if I've equipped them, armed them with that concept, then I've done my job. Oh, I love that. I think again, another, you know, I'm I'm a big one for um, a big one for quotes, and they they really, really, some of them just 
forget in one ear out the other, but others of them really stick with me. And, you know, that it's not really a quote. It's more just a way of talking about something. I was instead of saying, oh, I can't do that. It's I can't do that yet. Um, or, and just sticking that yet on the end again, just completely changes the meaning to it as in, you know, okay, maybe, um, to, to go off and, um, work the stock exchange, I need to, um, have a, a degree in accounting and finance, or maybe to go and open a childcare center, I need to get licensed and regulated and stuff like that. Mm. So it's, you know, it, it's, I can't just do it right now, but I can do it once I put all the steps into place. And it's, it's, it's again, such a simple tweak, isn't it? But it just mm. opens up so much opportunity. And I think, you know, we say there's so many people that just don't have the luxury of a tomorrow. Mm. Um, and that's a, it's a great saying, but, and it's true, but it's so much bigger than that. Because if you're not living your today, there's no point, which sounds like an awful statement to make. But if you're not living your today, like there's no guarantee of three o'clock, you know. If you're not living your today, then why not? You know, mm. why not? And you've got to, it's a it's a way of thinking, it's a headspace. And it'll either come from the catalyst of something that happens to you or happens to anyone around you to kind of kick you in the guts a little bit which is the harder way of doing it um and that's what I think you know there's a catalyst for change with a lot of people and you hear people's amazing stories and you're like oh my goodness um but yeah you can kind of change now make the change now or just don't don't feel like you have to like enjoy what you're doing now it's um it, it's so you you've clearly your um how do I, how I articulate this, your journey to getting to that stage has come from experiencing um, loss and, and grief and, and those big things, like you say, those big catalysts mm. that almost force you. Well, again, they don't force you because it, it again is a choice. You know, you can, you can live at the effect of the things that happen to us, or you can use them as a catalyst to mm. propel us forward. Can't we? Again, everything's a choice. Yeah. Um, so you have experienced those those catalytic is that a word events? Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely, they are. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give to someone who is sitting here thinking, well, you know, on the surface everything's dandy, you know, I shouldn't be complaining because this that was me, this was me, you know. I'm like, I, I so here's here's my situation from a few years ago. I got a six figure job, I've got a beautiful husband, I've got a lovely house, I've got two happy, healthy children. We've got, you know, hubby and I have got a car reach, we've got a camper trailer, we've got a boat, motorbikes. Yeah, we've it, life is this perfect, okay, you know, yep. looking at it from the outside, everything's dandy. Yet inside. I felt completely and utterly like, uh, uh, you know, I, I had no words even to describe it. Yeah. How I've described it on other episodes is, um, have you seen the movie Trolls, the kids' movie Trolls? You know, when they don't get their hugs, all their colour drains out of them? That was me. Like I That's felt cool. like all my colour had drained out of me and I was just grey. I was just on autopilot. I was just doing my thing. So I know what I did, but I want to hear what advice you would give to someone who's sitting here listening to this podcast in that state right now. There's a couple of things. One is never be so busy making a living that you cannot be making a life. 
That's good. <laughs> my clients will tell you, you know, some, some of them call me a lovely sledgehammer, but my clients will, because I don't believe, <laughs> I believe, you know what, you've got family that will pacify you. You've got um, people that aren't your tribe that will tell you what you want to hear. Me, um, this a question that I ask them, I'll say, you've got two weeks to live and you have to work. What would you be doing? And they go, oh, I have to, yeah, you have to work. So what would you actually be doing? It doesn't mean you chuck your job in tomorrow and change it. It means you start to look at what, can you incorporate what you like about what you think that other job is in what you're doing? Can you make a change so that you, you don't actually have to kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater? Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe think about what it is that floats your boat. Can you, is that what you're missing out on in your personal life? In other words, why don't you, join something or incorporate that so the concept of working I I had um, I think the last full-time job I had though I did a contract a couple of years ago that nearly took me out with the hours um, but it was fantastic and I'm glad it's over Um, (laughs) but I think it was like I was like I was probably about 24 and so for me I've not been I've not had a normal kind of work life no what's But I have always had um, the sense of inner strength, I think, and inner sense of self that if, and I actually think I got this through the accounting ethics unit, but that's a whole other story, um, (laughs) is that always have a bit of a slush fund on the side Mm -hmm. so that you never have to stay where you are and compromise your integrity. Mm. and I would say so if you think about all those things we've talked about like if it's not right for you walk away what's the worst you have to do you just sell stuff Mm -hmm. um it's got that same certainly got that same thread through it yeah it's having a having that rainy that rainy day fund as I'd call it I sort of we um (laughs) typical slush fund (laughs) (laughs) fund, she says shoe fund oh yeah <laughs> oh I love it I love it it's I think I it, it's so um as I said before it, it's so refreshing to hear this this way of looking at things and I think this is something that I've that a bit of a journey that I've come on and and again I feel like apologies if it sounds like a broken record in as much as I've realized that um, you know, I, I put in that gray space, I put a lot of emphasis on the fact that, you know, yes, we had a lovely house, but it wasn't the house on acreage that we wanted. And so when we had that, then I'd feel better. Um, yes, I had a good six figure job, but it wasn't exactly what I wanted to be doing. So when I had, you know, when I had that step up and when I, when I was doing this, then I'd be happy, you know, when that boss retires and that person becomes my boss, then, then I'll be happy. And I was putting my future happiness onto so many external things without necessarily, without having any comprehension of the fact that it's, None of that is ever going to make, was ever going to make me happy. And I would, we would buy that house or I'd upgrade my car or we'd go on that holiday and I'd still feel gray. And, and, you know, and, and that's the spot, that's the dangerous spiral to be on, isn't it? I think we are brought up to put up with and to be respectful and to, you know, try and find balance in all that. 
And I think the key is to look at the things that you can control Mm. and look at the things that you can't control because, um, you know, I've, much as I've got this lovely upbringing with all sorts of things going on, you know, mum was very authoritarian and no was something I heard a lot. Mm. Uh, And she was like that because dad was totally the opposite. (laughs) Extremes of anything are not a good thing. Yeah. So in my head, it's always no, no, no. And that's why I think I probably started to spread my wings early and go, well, why? You know, you start to question. Mm -hmm. Um, But the other thing which probably leads on from that is the concept of some things that you're connected to by DNA and sometimes some things you're not. Mm. That helped me get my, that was the last piece in the puzzle in terms of um, my first marriage and also, um, you know, family with my, you know, my step family and everything that goes on after all of that. Mm. Um, Work, it's the same concept. Nicole, you are not connected to that by DNA. You're connected to it by experience. The ones you're connected to by DNA, they're your DNA. The rest of you, you come together you have a connection and then you go and the connection is done. Yeah. Whereas yeah. when it comes to my kids, when it comes to my family, my, you know, my DNA, that's, that's who we are. Mm. And that's, that's a different connection. So it's that same, what controls you? What do you have control of? And then you can, then you've got a, a potential iota of hope <laughs> at identifying how you manage it. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, I, I don't, again, I'm not putting words in your mouth, but just clarifying what you just said there in as much as I'm, again, I'm the believer in that when we surround ourselves with the right people, we have, we can feel we've got the support and uh, to do anything. And just because we're connected to someone by DNA, if we've got someone in our family unit that's dragging us down or pulling us down or is always the naysayer or is always the one, you know, I'm physically pulling down as I'm talking. If we've got someone that's draining that energy just because we're connected to them by DNA, they're our auntie, our uncle, our cousin, our sister, our whatever, doesn't mean that we can't distance ourselves from them. We can't suddenly say, hey, you're not my sister anymore um, or whatever. But at the same time, we can, we can choose to... Um, not engage in certain conversations with that person, for example, um, can't we? Like we we have the choice, like you said previously, we have the choice in everything, don't we? Absolutely. I've got, I come from a huge European family and we don't all get along. That's okay. And um, I'm probably one of the few um, that are happy to agree to disagree and choose my own sanity space. Mm. Uh, and say thank you but no (laughs) (laughs) I love that and I'm actually the first generation that doesn't work on guilt in my nice European family so there you go it's out there Um, so it's because it's like generational thing you know it's kind of and anyone in that will know what I'm talking about so I don't work on that I do not work on guilt Uh, and I which is probably why one of the things that one of my key non-negotiables I would say is this is disrespect Mm. there's some people know that some people don't recognize that this is what they're doing but other people that's what they're doing so you go okay so it's being able to whether it's family or whether it's just 
people around or work for the rest of it. You know, if it starts to kind of suck the life out of you, mm. that's usually got a big component to it. So you can't you can't respect yourself if you don't if you don't stop other people from doing it. And sometimes that's a big process. Sometimes it's a timing process, depending on who it is and where it fits. Yeah. And yeah. that's where I suppose my mindset of I can just walk away. Mm. And it's... you know, I, I don't think if I didn't have the education I had, and I, I went back to study, like I finished year 12 um, with B grade units and stuff, and I went and worked for a number of years. I went back to study because I realized without study, I was going to limit my options. In other words, yes, my parents were right. (laughs) It wasn't for 10 years I didn't go back. Like 10 years later I went back and that's when things started to change. But, oh, my God, I brought so much experience with me to the table. I got so much more out of my study because of it. Yeah. Isn't that just a great lesson? You know, that that to me, I mean, I have a, uh, I think both my husband and I have a, opinion on our kids our kids are 10 and 7 and whilst I don't want them to disrespect school and give up on school completely I hear so many stories like yours like that where um you know where we can we can go back and we can do things at a time that's right for us so year 12 at the time you were in year 12 like you maybe you weren't ready you weren't you weren't meant to be there then perhaps you know there was life you had to live there were lessons you had to learn and you've gone back and done it later I had to meet yeah yeah I don't know like you know you can get all spiritual and woo-woo like that you know it wasn't the time it wasn't meant to be I don't know but I think again it's a very liberating very refreshing attitude to have when bringing up our kids like the biggest thing I say to our boys is I would I want you to try like I don't I don't I don't care necessarily about grades per se Um, like the grade to me uh, and this is probably going to spark a whole other can of worms a whole other discussion it's more more a metric for a school's performance um, uh, than anything else you know if my boys are happy if my boys are healthy and if they give things a go and have that attitude of giving things a go then I've I feel as a successful parent I think we've done our job as a parent like you said the lessons how you set your kids up to think um, that is more important than a grade to, to me. Um, I, th- I think that's a that's a major life lesson, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I was a head of school for a while. That will surprise you. Um, and I got the opportunity to build this school that had, I think, a couple of classes in it just through TAFE and university because we had credits into master's programs and all sorts of fun stuff. And I think there was about 400 enrolments by the time I finished. And I've got students still today who message me on LinkedIn or what's going on. So they just say, I I can't believe you knew what we needed. Mm. And all I did was listen to what they wanted and I knew what they needed to get where they wanted to go. Mm. So between actually listening to what they wanted and designing assessments and innovation programs and things around what would spark them and knowing what I needed in terms of, outcomes and modular completion rates and all they said oh you've got the highest modular completion rate in this in the you know in the sector how you know in the whole of TAFE actually and they said how and I said well give them what they want and they will complete it Mm, funny that 
So I was popular in some circles and not very popular in others. I can quite imagine. <laughs> it was all about what is it? Because and that's where you know, as we talked about the the whole idea of accounting. I'm not an accountant in what I do in so many areas, but all those amazing, all that amazing education about structure and process and compliance. None of that phases me at all. Mm-hmm. Give me a grant application to do. Give me a business plan to do. Give me some cash flows. Let's pick it apart. What do they want? Mm. And I can tell you if there's a quick and easy way to do it, you'll find it. I'm there. <laughs> we just need to, and this is the box we need to tick. This is what somebody needs. What do they want? Let's work out what they want. Let's I work am- out what you bring to the table and let's bring it together so you can get on and do what you want to do. Yes. I remember that was that was what got me through uni. You know, like I, I, I've done, uh, my, I do some work with um, youth as well. And a big thing that came out um, in, in the sessions with these year 12 kids was that we're not, we're not, we don't, we're not taught how to study. We're taught content. We're not taught how to study. And I remember um, the major thing that I think was like the ching at uni for me was, um, well, maybe it's more around my A-level. So around that year 12 um, time in the UK was I learned what I had to do, uh, what the assessors were looking for. Um, so I could have written this beautiful essay, you know, that was fantastic um, and it might have been correct, but if it wasn't within the criteria of what they marked against, you know, that's the criteria that they mark against. It doesn't matter how good that essay is. So I had to learn how to craft my answers um, to fit that box where now whilst you know, again, there's a whole discussion that can come from that, you know, learning to fit a box, is that the right thing to do? But I think like what you've just said there is if we can take that concept and apply it to anything, it's like, let's, let's, what does the outcome need to be? What are people looking for? Um, How can we create a way to get that outcome? Mm. Uh, I I think, I think that's kind of what you were just saying. And I didn't just throw a random story in there. (laughs) Because it's, it's about what is the assessment what what do you want? Like I used to just I used to rewrite assessments because I know how to make it fit the unit, you see. And so I used to rewrite them with in discussion with the students about what projects. So I knew what they needed to cover. If it was something that they were actually working on doing, like why reinvent the wheel? Mm. You know, that's the that's innovation is about not reinventing the wheel. It's about working out how to make the wheel work for you. <laughs> you know it's about how what can we what value add can we do we don't need to reinvent it there is already a wheel yes we already have a wheel <laughs> exactly so the projects and the fun stuff that we that we did and that, you know I'll be honest it made things far more fun for me when I was working at stupid o'clock I bet yeah. so it was satisfying for me and it was um it, yeah it, it got the runs on the board so that I got to the, I said oh well, there you go see it's profitable so almost get out of my way now let me build <laughs> leave me be exactly and as long as you get the numbers as long as you tick the box as long as the criteria is met let's if I can make that work then the rest of the stuff is your oyster you know the rest of the stuff is let's do it as long as they're getting what they want what floats your boat? What ticks? Then they're like, how do you do that? I, go, I just know what we need to give them. Mm. So the learning happens organically anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. It sounds like through the stories you've shared, you've hit 
um, you've hit, uh, I don't have roadblocks is the right word, but challenges uh, professionally, yeah. personally, <laughs> emotionally along the way. Like th- that is life, isn't it? This roller coaster of up and downs. What is the thing that keeps you going? What is your like internal energy drive that, that keeps you going through thick and thin? Um, I think, and it kind of comes back to, I have this life to live and not everyone gets the opportunities that that I've got. I've either got them, I've made them, whatever it is, like breathe in joy. <laughs> you know, if I'm gone tomorrow, I'm gone tomorrow. I ain't going anywhere, I can tell you that. <laughs> um, it's it's like why, if not, what do I say the other way? If not now, then when? Mm. And, you know, the last year is probably I actually spoke of, I do some mentoring with some um, women in business here and one of them, which is kind of part of me giving back, you know, what's the thing that I wish someone had shared with me and it allows me to be that unreasonable friend that says, well, yeah, is that what you really want? What does that look like? You know, and Mm. they they don't have to like me, which is, you know, and it's not that we're adversarial, but, you know, if, if I can share the things that made me think a little bit deeper or a little bit differently, then that's what I'm there for. I'm not mm. that I'm there to kind of help them find the best in themselves, even if it's not what I'm saying. It's just something in the way it's said. So um, I think uh, the last year, like, there's been times over the years uh, where I have not open the mail for four months because I just can't, I can't bring myself to do it. It was just that one extra thing I couldn't do it. So, you know, what you see is vibrant here. It's not always been like that, but Mm. I just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And there are days when putting one foot in front of the other was not so easy. Um, It's easy when I have the kids because that was, that allowed me to just say, all right, Nicole, you just need to just get through today. Do do it for them. Yeah. Get through today just need to do this and it's about picking things apart and just taking one step and making that an achievement and one step um so i i've kind of been through that and i think the battle scars um i've always been quite open about things um but the battle scars are also part of what gives me a foundation absolutely mm. Mm. Um, and awesome. i would say the key thing of the last probably year and a half is I was quite happy to just, I always say, look, I didn't need a government directive to tell me to keep away from people. Um, but that's actually not really healthy. So I kind of enjoyed it for a while. <laughs> but then it was like, all right, Nicole, enough. Um, it's it's time for you to contribute. It's time for you, you know, don't waste, don't squander and don't waste your time. Mm. you know enough already so complacency you know and it, it was it's kind of working with my own brain like you're being complacent and all that sort of stuff I thought yeah you know what I've got far too many opportunities handed to me or far too many opportunities that I've worked for for me to be sitting around doing nothing wow so you know I enjoyed oh, should I say that out loud I really enjoyed the downtime of last year I think you can say that out loud. I think that's, I think there'd be a lot of people that were going, that will be listening going, hell yeah, me too. (laughs) But at some point it's like, all right, this is not downtime. This is just you. This is you not doing your thing and not being you. Mm. So I actually start, that's when I start to do some really kind of basic goal setting and planning. 
all right, so what's my social thing for today? Because yeah. it's you cannot be an island in a global economy for long. Yes. It's nice to nice to come in and recharge and refresh and regroup if if that's what we need. And I talk about that a lot, you know, like I, there's there's a lot of people that I work with that are like, just go, 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 go all the time. It's like when I remember like a car runs out of fuel and you can't just keep pushing the accelerator pedal. You've got to go fill your car up with fuel. You've got to stop. So there, we need that to some extent, don't we? But it's when we sit there for too long when we like when that becomes the norm and like you say that spark has gone that that energy's gone that color has gone and we're not doing that thing that we get our passion and our energy and our drive from anymore um that's when we need to pull ourselves up isn't it or have help from someone to pull us up what i think though is you kind of lose your motivation and when you lose your motivation, it's it's really easy to, that's why I use the word complacent, though it's possibly not. I've been trying to work out the exact word for it. Mm. Um, last year made it really easy for us to, uh, you know, we were very careful to have coffee catch-ups. Like I've been using Zoom forever. So, you know, coffee catch-ups on Zoom, phones, things like that. Now that everyone's kind of getting back into it, it's really easy to let those things go. And that's where I decided, right, what are the things that I miss? It's that companionship, it's those deep conversations, it's that intimacy and connection. So I, I put in the diary in my goals, social. That's, you know, I love that. So it's- social because I just won't do it. Mm. And that's not necessarily good for me. Yes, I, I, I 100% hear you. You know, I'm someone very much driven on, on connection and, um, you know, a, a very extroverted personality. Like I, bou- I bounce off other people. Like that's where I get my energy from by outwardly expressing myself to other people. That said, um, I, I can very, very easily find time, you know, find joy in my own company. But when I stay there for too long, as we've just talked about, you know, we can, we can yeah, yeah, yeah. So that would be, uh, I'm again, putting words in your mouth here. That sounds like that's a non-negotiable for you as well as that non-negotiable social connection, social time. And it, it means it makes the peace because I love my peace. My God, I love it. Um, I've learned that it's actually really amazing. It's not because I'm, you know, the old days of like the Tassie devil that's kind of habit and that's not who I am I can be I can fire up and do that you know contracts come and I'll just work like a Trojan for three months yeah but I won't work like I did at the expense of yeah but what it means is it allows me to value my peace and enjoy it more yeah and not look at it as as kind of downtime that's I love it. I could I could just continue this conversation forever more. I think it's fantastic. So your energy that that I've said it many times, it's just it's so refreshing, it's so enlightening and I I trust that everyone listening has got heaps out of this. Um if people want to connect with you, find you, talk to you, ha- how can they find you? We'll put all the links in the show notes as well, but ha- how can people find you? Um I've got I've had LinkedIn forever. Um, so, and that's, I think I worked out, it was like when it first started. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. I cut off for 18 months. I cut off all my socials. I cut off everything. And it was the most blissful thing I did. (laughs) 
Um, I was it was amazing how many people after about a year messaged me because you can still have messenger. You see, I learned interesting things about about socials, um, abusing me for um, blocking them because they couldn't find me. Not one of them had checked to see whether it was just them I blocked. <laughs> Remember, I said don't take it personally, and I just said, look, thank you for checking in with me. I've actually had some downtime with what's going on because a lot of people had no idea what else was going on in my personal life anyway because I was very um, private about that. Um, it's just interesting. So, yeah, I've, I've, and website, um, I'll send you the link. You'll recognise it. It just says, Nicole, I solve problems. That's me. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll post all those links in the, um, in the show notes. Before we go, though, I do have some quickfire questions if you're, if you're ready for a bit of quickfire action. <laughs> okay. All right. This is something that I'm asking all my guests. I just think it's, it's a nice quirky bit of fun. Fun and quirkiness is one of my core values. So, hell, why not throw this in at the end? Yeah. All right. So first up, what are you reading at the moment? Um, Lucy Bloom was a speaker at the International Women's Day event. She is an absolute hoot. Go look for her, the Lucy Bloom. And her book's called Get the Girls Out. Ah, awesome. So that's a recommendation. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's right there on the screen. Look at that. <laughs> Lucy with her bright pink hair. Um, yeah, she's powerful, you know, entertaining, inspiring, and, yeah, she's a good sort. So, yeah. Love She's it. Find the book for me. So I've just about finished it. Fabulous. Awesome. What is your favorite song of all time and why? Oh, there's so many. Can't right now. Um, I've been listening to uh Iris. It's just I've always found it really hard to be me and to to let people know who I am. Mm. I know the song you mean now. Oh, I'm starting to sing it in my head. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> love um, it yeah and it's a gorgeous song so um but I've walked down the aisle to Van Halen so it's a song thing for me <laughs> oh music oh again a whole other conversation music is super powerful yeah. we've 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 done a few of these through this conversation but what's a quote that's changed your life um definitely uh the whole the whole you're not connected to them by DNA Nicole that's just it's just popped into my head one day. Yeah. And I just thought, you know what? Oh my God. Yes. So it's like, don't make it always. It is, yeah. yeah. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> Let it go. I'm not going to sing. Oh gosh, Claire, stop. <laughs> you sound Next better question. than I do. <laughs> Next question, moving on. What's a piece of software, an app, or a piece of tech that has changed how you do business? Oh, my Mac. I'm sorry. Once you go Mac, you'll never go back. <laughs> leave us leave us with a practical tip or a life hack. You've left us with so much gold, but what's one more or reiterating something you've oh, already it's said? Just, it's just, um, yeah, if, if not now, when? You know, don't take things personally. Look at them with perspective. You know, even if it is personal, doesn't mean you have to take it personally. Look at where it fits. If you learn something from it, great. And if you don't, ditch it and move on. Yes. Oh, my God. It's so their problem, not ours. Yep. I always say it sounds like a you problem, not a me problem. (laughs) (laughs) And the other is there's a gift in everything. That's it. That's the thing I always say. There is a gift in everything. 
Oh my goodness, just so much gold in that conversation. I could have continued talking to Nicole for hours, but um, obviously conscious of the time I'm spending in your ears. So thank you again to Nicole for a fabulous conversation. And as we said previously, all of her contact details will be in the show notes to this episode as well. Nicole, for me, has such a refreshing perspective on life. And whilst it should be remembered that that has come from some quite major personal challenges and and the grief of losing her husband a few years ago, but that philosophy, you know, we never know. We just don't know what life has in store for us. And it just pays, therefore, to, to live each day to its actual, absolute fullest, doesn't it? To, to, if we're thinking of things that we want to do, go out and do them because we just cannot guarantee tomorrow. And that might sound morbid, but it's also true. We absolutely cannot guarantee tomorrow. And, and I've had personal experience of that in the last week or two as well. We just don't know what's around the corner. So if there is something that anyone listening to this podcast wants to do, then I say, hell, go and do it. Go and give it a damn good go. Alrighty then, that is enough from me. Remember to hit that subscribe button in your podcast app of choice so you never miss another episode of Real Life Business as it drops. And if you are listening on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, then please leave me a five-star review because it really does help build awareness and gain momentum for the show. If you've loved this episode and think someone in your network needs to hear it, share it with them. And remember, you can continue the conversation on Facebook or Instagram and the links to those communities will be in the show notes to this episode. Alrighty, that's all from me. Until next time, bye-bye.